Shabbat Shalom. My name is Noel, Noel Joshua Hadley. This is the Unexpected Cosmology. I'm glad you could all be here tonight. Of course, people are going to be filling in, streaming in, but anyone watching this throughout the weekend, throughout the week, Shalom, everybody. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you for making this a tradition in your household. And because uh, I know that there's many other uh, venues out there for, for teaching and you guys choose to come here and it means a lot to me. Before we get too much into this tonight i have some good news for you guys let me come over to my websites and of course you can see the link up here on the top of the unexpected cosmology for the for the store and if i can scroll down here we have in pamela's translation for leviticus from the paleo hebrew you can see right there the purple cloth book uh, we're like two or three weeks away from the Leviticus Torah portion. So if you guys order it now, you guys should get it in time and you guys can uh, follow along with that. That's the good news. Now there are, there's some, it's not really bad news, but the bad news, if you want to call it bad news is that I wasn't able to finish today, uh, to have it ready for you guys. The Torah portion study guide, you can see right here, Bereshith and then, uh, Shemawath or Exodus. I have those. And then I hope this week to have uh, Leviticus up. And of course, the Torah portion study guide is it lines up the the KJV, which it would come from the Hebrew Masoretic tradition, with right next to the Paleo Hebrew, which is Pamela's translation, which we're of course going through each week, and also the Greek LXX with the uh, the Jonathan Targum, which would be the Aramaic uh, Targum. And then it goes through all the Torah portions and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I love it myself. I mean, as just a reference guide, it's what I use. It's something I've always wanted. And so it's what I use. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoy that as well. And it's great for Bible studies and uh, for your family or just Shabbat groups in general. And there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, tonight I'm going through the Torah Abides, Paul's letter to the Galatians according to the law of Yah. And you can see right here, you can download this uh, PDF. It's only in PDF form right now. And this is one of the ways you could help support what I'm doing. And I have the first chapter completed. All right. So there's six chapters in Galatians. So shows tells you i have five chapters to go uh, but i will be updating it as i go along of course you can always download the updates as well uh, so anyways chapter one is available there and for anyone who wants to follow along or read ahead for next week or what have you one more thing going to point this out every week uh just to bring this to your consciousness continually is, you know, this is a ministry. And for me to survive at this ministry and continue doing what I'm doing, I need your support. I am dependent on Yah to support. And I only, I only want guys, uh, I only want to do this. If this is what y'all wants, if he is closing the door of this ministry, then he's going to close the door of this ministry. And so uh, if Yah is, some of you guys might be uh, put to putting this off to the last minute. It's getting kind of close to that last minute right now. You can see I put this fundraiser up like three weeks ago and I got $430 in there, $436. And I'm grateful for, for those of you. There's been uh, four donations that added up to that. I'm grateful for everyone. If Yah is putting it on your heart to, if this ministry means anything to you, if you, if you, if you want to see expanded, if you want it to get out to other people, uh, if you believe in what we're doing here, please consider supporting. I'm not asking you to do it on Sabbath. We're just having this conversation as a community right now. And, you know, we're probably, I don't know, I don't know how far away, a few weeks away from 
be closing shop and going out and getting a job somewhere. I have a family to support. I have a wife with a baby on the way. And I know for a fact that there's a lot of people who would, yeah, I know this is a fact. There'd be a lot of people out there celebrating in the streets uh, overjoyed if TUC closes its doors uh, or, you know, if I uh, have to go out and do something else. And so uh, just everybody, please pray about it. And I ask that you please consider um, supporting this ministry and yeah, that's enough on that. Maybe I'll bring it up at the end of this video. And I'm sorry to bring it to your attention. It just needs to come up every single week and uh, put it out there. Just you guys need to know about it. Those are the needs to uh, stay open. Let's continue what I'm doing. All right. We are in week 21 of the uh, our tour portions. I, I can't believe it feels like I was just here giving the tour portions seven days ago. Yeah, it's kind of a joke, but it's amazing how fast the week passes by. And this has been quite a couple of weeks for me. It, when it rains, it pours, let me tell you. And a lot a lot going on behind the scenes, on the scenes. I don't need to, some of you guys know some things that were happening. I don't even need to, to flesh all that out. Uh, but it, 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 Yah has just, uh, he has been such, at the end of it, he has been such a blessing to me. And um, it's been good. So, here we are, Exodus chapter, I think this week we're going through chapter 30, 11 through 34, 35. And this is the big one. This is the golden calf, right? I say this a lot. It's the big one. And this is what we went over last week. We saw that there was, uh, I, I showed scripture of one kingdom, two priesthoods, and that'd be the Levitical and the Melchizedek. And of course, when Moshe looked to the temple in heaven, he was the mystery here that was revealed in later times is that he was looking at the Melchizedek priesthood. He was looking at the Melchizedek temple. And so he was uh, told to create a temple complex based off of the blueprint of what he saw with the Melchizedeks. And what's interesting about the Melchizedeks is we learned that the, the body is the temple. Well, that's really interesting. So that should inform us that as we look back into the Torah at the construction of the temple and we're, uh, we'll be looking at different aspects of it as we go forward throughout Leviticus and so on and so forth, uh, at the priesthood and all that, that we are actually looking at our relationship with Mashiach. For example, we looked at temple patterns. We looked at the menorah as a congregation, the idea that each congregation, each church set apart assembly is a menorah. And there were also little menorahs. We saw that. Uh, but also the the light itself is the light of the Torah. And of course, the menorah is the tree of life and a lot of different things like that. We also looked at the command of oil, the, you, the command to bring oil. And I, I I suspect this, I think this command still stands. I mean, you look at the the wise and foolish versions, the, the five foolish versions didn't have the oil. They did not follow through with the command. All right. Uh, the command of oil as the idea of oil is the work of the, for the light of the Torah. It's our works, our fruit, right? We have to obey the commands in order to light the Torah. We looked at clothing as a means of deception or praise or salvation in the Bible. I found that fascinating. I hope you guys did too. I'm not going to uh, rehash all that out. You guys can watch that video. We looked at the ephod on the, the, on the chest of the Levite priest and how that connects with new Yerushalayim as well as the cherub in Eden. Interestingly enough, the one that's mentioned in Ezekiel. Uh, also, I, I covered the idea that the priestly attire 
uh, ties in with the full armor of God that you hear so often that Paul talks about. Uh, and Yeshiyahu Isaiah talks about it too, but uh, the full armor of Allah Hayam. And then we looked at the seven Ruachoth of Allah Hayam and Chakmaha, which would be wisdom or in Greek, Sophia. That's, of course, the Ruach HaKadosh. And uh, we'll, I'll look at that really briefly again today. Now, I was telling you that I, I say every week that there's no way that I can cover everything in the Torah portions. And it, it, it almost grieves me at some of the things I, I miss. And that's the great thing about going through this every year, of course, is next year I can cover some of that stuff again. Um, but I wanted to just look back. I'm still processing this as I'm reading it. And I want to look at a couple other ideas of temple, uh, temple patterns, right? The idea is that this tabernacle that is being built in the wilderness is a representation of the temple of the body. And of course, Yahushua HaMashiach, right? So here's something that from a couple weeks ago, we look at the boards, the, uh, the tenons and silver sockets. And this is what it says in Exodus. And I'm, I'm kind of giving it away right here because I'm showing you a picture of Mashiach being crucified. And thou shalt make the boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards on the south side southward. And thou shalt make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons and two sockets under another board for his two tenons. And I, I kind of already botched this because if you look a few verses earlier, it talks about how the, the they're standing boards, which is really interesting. Now, uh, quick note here, each board was to have two tenions at the ends of which each was placed in a silver socket. Okay, and the word tenion there, T-E-N-O-N, indicates a pin, nail, or fastener, or literally that which connects. All right, so we actually see uh, the same thing happening with Yahushua HaMashiach here, right? And these, 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 uh, he's being pinned, or, you know, when he's being crucified, he's got the, the silver socket that's connecting him to the board. And we see this in Ephesians. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens of this, the set apart and of the household of Allah Hayam, having been, been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Yahushua HaMashiach himself being the cornerstone. I mean, there's tons here to talk about. I'm not going to cover all that. But pay attention to this here. In whom the whole building being fitted together is increasing into a holy temple in Yahuwah in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of Allah Hayam and the Ruach. So you can see the same thing here that we're talking about with uh, Exodus in chapter 26, being fitted together, all the boards with the tenons and the, uh, the, uh, the sockets and so on and so forth. And we see this here uh, in Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, oh boy, here we go, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. All right. So um, the idea, you know, you've heard that it's just a ridiculous notion that this is taught that the handwriting of ordinances is the Torah. Like that it is, there, it's not. There's no reference to that in that context, right? The, the Torah is not against us. It is instructions in righteous living. The law of sin is against us. The, the handwriting of ordinances uh, this would be, I put here the, the blotting out of our sins, right? So we see again in Acts, this is Kepha talking in chapter three, repent therefore, repent of what, right? Our transgressions of the Torah and turn again for the blotting out of your sins so that 
times of refreshing may come from the presence of Yahuwah, and that he may send the one having been appointed to you, Husha HaMashiach. Um, and of course, the, the curse of the Torah would be the handwriting of ordinances, which we will get later on. This is Galatians chapter 3, so I'm not there yet in my, my Galatians study, but we'll eventually cover it. Uh, Mashiach redeemed us from the curse of the Torah by becoming a curse for us. For his written curses, everyone who is hanged on a tree. So right there you see the tree, the board, the the piercing, everything, and it's all there in the temple complex. It's all there to teach us uh, the story of redemption and how uh, our Savior has uh, paid the penalty for us. All right, well, let's get right into this in the Paleo-Hebrew. Shabbat Shalom to everyone just now jumping in, joining. The law of the census. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, set words in order towards Meshaha to declare, For you shall number the heads of the sons of Yasharel for their number. And every man shall give a redemption for his nafash unto Yahuwah in the numbering, so that a plague will not exist upon them for numbering them. This is the amount they shall give. All who pass over among those numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the set apart. And of course, said you know a shekel, right? The the shekel equals twenty garaha. The half shekel is an offering unto Yahweh the ever living. And I'll, I'll talk about this. All from twenty years old and above are those who shall pass over among those numbered. He shall give a heave offering unto Yahweh. The rich shall not increase and the poor shall not diminish from the half shekel when offering the heave offering into Yahuwah to make a covering over your nefash. And you shall take the silver of the covering from the sons of Yashorel, and you shall gift him for the service of the tents of meeting. And he will exist for the sons of Yashorel for a remembrance to the face of Yahuwah, the ever-living, to cover over your nefash. And you can see here the note, she, uh, kafar, often rendered as ransom or redemption. And I think she put there, um, where did she put that? She actually wrote the word redemption, so we didn't need to cover that. All right, ransom money. Now, keep in mind, you were required to bring this ransom money for the covering of your nefash. That means your soul, all right? To make a covering over your soul, you were required to bring this uh, half shekel. So... We read here in Psalms, and it says, Why should I fear in times of trouble when wicked usurpers surround me? They trust in their wealth and boast in their great riches. Well, that's kind of interesting because uh, we read that the poor and the rich, they have to bring the same ransom money. It doesn't matter with your rich. You don't bring more. You don't bring less. It, it's Everyone's soul is valued equally. Your soul is not valued uh, according to your bank account. No man can possibly redeem his brother or pay his ransom to Allah Hayyam, for the redemption of his soul is costly and never can payment suffice. Well, that's interesting. That he should live on forever and not see decay. All right. So it's explaining to you there that if this ransom, uh, this ransom is, it's required for the covering of your soul, but it's not, uh, it's not going to keep you from dying or decaying, right? It, it, that's not what it's doing here. Now, this whole conversation happens. It occurs in Matthew, Yahoo, Matthew chapter 20. You guys are all familiar with the mother of, of Zabidi's sons. And 
uh, I am of the opinion, and this is my opinion, that this mother is uh, Miriam, the mother of Yahusha's sister, making the Zebedee sons Yahusha's cousins. And of course, almost everybody who surrounded Yahusha were in, in his entourage were almost, not everybody, but they were related to him. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Yahusha with her sons and knelt down to make a request of him. What do you want? He inquired. She answered, declare that in your kingdom, one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left. Now, again, this, this may seem like quite the request, right? But what if they are closely related, okay, I can kind of see that a little bit more, right? He's got it. He's the king. He's got his entourage. It's almost like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. A lot of them were related to him. That's the way it works. The, his closest knights, his advisors. And so they were all, it, everyone in his inner circle was pretty much related to him. And so you, you can see the debate here amongst his family of, you know, this mother who is the sister of his mother uh, is trying to work out for her sons to be in his, uh, you know, seat of honor next to him. It makes sense. I could get that. But he says, you do not know what you are asking, Yahushua replied. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, the brothers answered. You will indeed drink my cup, Yahushua said, but to sit at my right or left is not mine to grant. It's interesting. He asked the questions there. Can you, I, I would, I would, my instinct would be like, no, I, I can't drink the cup you're going to drink. Uh, but they say we can. He's like, yeah, you can. I'm like, well, that, that that always catches me off guard every single time. But he says, but to sit at my right hand or left is not mine to grant. This These seats belong to those for whom my father has prepared for them. Now you can see what I'm highlighting here, what I want you to focus on. When the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Uh, no surprise there. But Yahusha called them aside and said, you know that the rulers of the Goyim lorded over them and their superiors exercise authority over them. It shall not be this way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. And of course, this is literally Yahuwah becoming the least. He's becoming a servant of mankind so he could become the greatest. So uh, he knows what he's talking about. Just as the son of Adam did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see here in 1 Timothy 2. For there is one Allah Hayam, and there is one mediator between Allah Hayam and man, the man Yehusha HaMashiach, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The testimony that was given at just the right time. So just it, we're building a case here. It's kind of interesting that every single person is required. Every man is required to bring his ransom money. But then it says here in Psalms that there is no ransom that can actually suffice, that will, that will cover. There's no payment suffice that one should live on forever and not see decay which is the whole point of the resurrection, right? That we could live on forever and not see decay. And of course, the promise was that Mashiach, the anointed one, would not see decay, and he didn't. All right. Now, a half a shekel was about uh, 0.2 ounces or six grams of silver. In a 2020 US dollar, uh, now, <laughs> here we are in 2024, I'd have to find, because they would, you know, with inflation and everything, it would be quite different, I'm sure, already. But in the 2020 U.S. dollars uh, currency, this would be roughly $5, all right? $5 a person. Interestingly enough, uh, this is what I ask for for the Unexpected Cosmology uh, for support, just as a base, $5. Uh, 
uh, if everybody just brings five dollars to support this, if everybody brought five dollars to support this ministry, I'd be covered. Uh, it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, everybody watching this, so on and so forth. Uh, but anyways, yeah, five dollars. So it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Now, I, I want to talk about this in in Yaakov, the Epistle of James. I'll read this and I'll comment on it. My brothers, as you hold out your faith in our glorious Adonai Yahusha Hamashiach, do not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you lavish attention on the man in fine clothes and say, here's a seat of honor, but say to the poor man, you must stand or sit at my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not Al-Hayam chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the noble name by which you have been called? If you really fulfill the royal law stated in scripture, and I should have put there the, the Torah, love your neighbors yourself, you are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the Torah as transgressors. Now, this is, uh, I, I've noticed a model out there that many public speakers, researchers and stuff, they have these options that if you pay them so much money, you get a private audience with them. And I've been, this has been suggested to me many times that, that I should consider something like this. And I refuse to, I won't do that because um what, what Yaakov says right here, you know, do not show favoritism to the rich. Do not give them a nicer seat. Don't pay more attention to them. Every company comes in. Every soul is of equal value, whether rich or poor, right? Uh, this is the importance of the $5 or the the, the half, the, the shekel, $5 by modern uh, currency, 2020 currency. Um, and so this is one of the things that in this ministry, now I, I'm so busy. I'm so swamped. I have more and more people showing up and they have all these questions and they want to talk to me. They're like, just give me an, you know, they always say like, you know, 15 minutes of my time. It's really, they want like three or four hours if we're being honest. And I obviously don't have the time to give it. And so I'm just telling people like, okay, I set up this time every week. We had it just before I went live, uh, seven o'clock PM on Fridays for two hours. I'm there in discord and I'm there to talk to anybody, answer the questions, anything they have. And, um, I know that not everybody can make, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern times on a on a Friday night. Totally get it. Um, I need to I need to try to find other times as well where I can be public. But um, I, I I take this to be really important. Now let's look at census in Scripture. I don't know if I want to read this whole story. This comes from oh no, this is a good one. This comes from Judges. Uh, you pronounce it Shofet Team or judges, and this comes from chapter 7. And Yahuwah said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Yashorel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. All right, so what Yahuwah is saying here is, is there's too many people. You're going to go to war, there's too many people. And it, if you go and you win with this many people, you're going to say that your hand, by your hand, by your strength, by your might, you did this. So uh, we need to get rid of a bunch of people. 
And uh, it looks like there remained 10,000 after they got rid of them. So let's keep reading. And Yahuwah has said to, unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. 10,000 is too many. Bring them down into the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say to thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down the people into the water, and Yahuwah said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their head to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And Yahuwah said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you. And deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all the other people go, every man into his place. So the people took victuals in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Yashua, every man, into his tent, and retained those 300 men, and the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. Now, I've heard this explained in various ways. People have tried to explain why are the people that lapped up water like a dog. That doesn't seem complimentary to me. And I've heard people try to spin this into a positive light. Um Maybe that's true. I don't know. But it seems to me that Yahuwah is like, look, I did that. I caused these these soldiers to drink water like this. And uh, those are the ones I want to go to battle. Because I want you to see that I'm going to take these 300 men and I'm going to win the day for you. From these soldiers that lap up water like a dog. I'm going to win the day for you. All right? So this is, this is, something, uh, this is something that is very important to Yahuwah showing that he is the one to do it. And here I just talked to you guys about, you know, finances. And I have to know that he's going to be, if he wants the door of this ministry to stay open, he will do it. It's got to be him. It can't be me. Um, I'm totally fine if he wants to close the ministry, though. I'm told, if that's his will. I'm not going to fight against his will. But it needs to be him that does it. All right. Uh, so let's look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 20, what it has to say about uh, the same thing. When thou go out to battle against thine enemies and see horses and chariots and people more than thou, right? So horses and chariots, this is like top, you know, cavalry, um, you know, top-notch stuff. I mean, today it would be like, you know, tanks and fighter jets and like, you know, you're going out and see a far superior force. And the first thing you're going to do is you're going to start looking around and go, how many men do we have? Do, can we take the enemy? It doesn't look like we can. We need more men, right? So he interesting advice he gives here not not advice a command you see more people than thou be not afraid of them for yahuwah alahayu is with thee which brought thee up out of the land of mitzrayim and it shall be when ye are come nigh into the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and say unto them hear o yasharel ye approach this day unto battle against your enemies let not your hearts faint Fear not and do not tremble, neither be terrified because of them. Now, ordinarily, any military leader is if the if he knows the priests are going to come and say what he's about to say, they're not going to let him up and come into the battle. They're like, Yeah, get out of here, dude. We'll let you deal with spiritual things. This is we'll deal with this here. It's interesting too in the in the game of chess. I always found this interesting how the bishop is the one that's closest to the, the king. For Yahuwaha Alahainu is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies, to save you. And the officer shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house and hath not dedicated it? 
let him go and return to his house. Lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. So he's basically like, did you just buy a house? You got a new house? Anybody here? Raise your hands. Okay, everyone who raised your hands, you leave. Let's go back to your house. We don't need you. And what man is he that hath planted a vineyard and hath not yet eaten of it? Let him also go and return into his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. So and everyone out here who just who just planted a new vineyard, okay, you, 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 you got all these new crops and you haven't harvested it yet, we don't need you. We're, we don't need your service anymore. You go take care of that. You've just diminished your army way down. He's not done yet. And what man is there that hath betrothed a wife and hath not taken her? So, okay, how many guys out there are engaged? You got a woman, you you know, you're looking forward to marrying her. You don't have any children. Okay, you, like, half of you raise your hands because these are young men, right? Okay, uh, on your way you go. Make sure that you uh, take in a wife before you go to battle. Because I'm sure a lot of people may have been betrothed for a long time, right? Uh, let him go and return into his house, lest he die in the battle and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is there that is fearful and faint-hearted? <laughs> Let him go and return it to his house. So now you've diminished your army so much, and now you're like, okay, who out there is afraid? Any, any of you afraid? You, you guys see like the tanks and the, the jets, the fighters, just like all the, you know, all the, the, the machinery they have and the the arse, the whole arsenal, the whole the whole works, right? The whole nine yards. Anybody afraid? Okay, you, 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 you can only we don't need your services. How many people do we have left? Handful of people. Okay, we're good to go. And it shall be when the officers have made an end of speaking unto the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. Amazing. Devarim, Deuteronomy 21 through 9. And we see this here again, Deuteronomy 7, one of the, the themes of the book of Deuteronomy, no doubt. Yahuwah did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any, any people. For you were the fewest of all people. Now let's look at an example of a census gone wrong. And again, the anger of Yahuwah was kindled against Yashorel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Yashorel and Yehuda. Uh-oh. He's about to number them. He's not supposed to do that. For the king said to uh, Yoav, that would be Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, go now through all the tribes of Yasharel from Dan, Dan, even to Beersheba, and number ye the people that I may know the number of the people. Now, if you skip down to the reason why he wanted to know the number of the people, this goes completely against the commands in the Torah. And he said, and Yoav gave up the sum. I'm skipping here, verse nine. Yoav gave up the sum of the number of the people unto the king. And there were in Yashorel 800,000 valiant men that drew the sword. And the men of Yehuda were 500,000 men. And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto Yahuwah, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Yahuwah, Take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And then we see a destroying angel coming about. So Yahuwah sent a pestilence about upon Yasharo from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Yerushalayim to destroy it, Yahuwah repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of Yahuwah was by the threshing place of uh, 
um, Arunna, the Jebusite. And David spake unto Yahuwah when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. Uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy that he actually saw the angel doing it. All right, so point of all this is that uh, Yahuwah, he wants to work through the fewest people possible. And it, it's, you know, he talks about this, you know, that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And right, and there's even fewer chosen, correct? And this is all the way he, he does things. He, he wants to go against um, all human odds, all of our logical system of how we do things. He wants us to be obedient to him and watch him do the work. It's always about him doing it. And this is the whole idea of the, uh, the, um, the, the half shekel, right? And it's something that we ourselves, that we cannot, um, we can't save ourselves. It has to be him that does it. All right. And if he were, if he were to say, well, you have tons of money, so you give more that gives the false assurance that, you know, they're able to actually pay their way out of something. All right. The furnishings of the tabernacle. And Yahuwah set words in order towards Al-Mashaha to, to declare, and you shall fashion a copper basin and his base of copper for washing, and you shall gift it between the tents of meeting and between the altar, and you shall place water therein. And Aaron and his son shall wash themselves in it, the hands and their feet in going towards the tent of meeting. He shall wash with water so that he does not die in approaching toward the altar to minister and to perfume the offering by fire unto Yahweh the ever-living. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they die not, and it shall exist to them a uh, hag i uh, yulam, an ordinance for time of long duration to him and his seed to their generations through circuit of time. I think we're coming up on the, um, well, I'll explain after I read this, the marijuana passage. The one that many people debate. And Yahuwah set words in order toward Al-Mashaha to declare, and she will take of you sweet-smelling sp spices, heads of flowering bitter myrrh, abundant free-flowing of 500 shakul and sweet cinnamon, half him, 250, and of sweet uh, kunuha. Let's see what this is here. This is, uh, oh yeah, calamus or sweet cane. 250 and sweet cassia 500 and shakul weighed by the set apart shakul and olive oil one uh is that hayon and you have fashioned from him set apart anointing oil the set apart with him the ten of meeting and the ark of the revealed precepts and his table and all his implements and the menorah and her implements and the altar of incense and the ascending altar and all his implements and the basin and his base and you will set them apart and he will exist Kudash, Kudashayam, the most set apart. All the touches against them will be set apart, and you will anoint Aaron and his sons and, and set them apart to minister unto me. Thus shall you set forth unto the sons of Yashrael to declare, This is the set apart anointing oil. He will exist thus to me and to your generations, circling from age to age. He will not pour over the flesh of Adam, and with the measure you apportion, you will not fashion. Like him, he is set apart. He will exist set apart unto you. The man who mixes anything like him and in turning aside gifts him to a stranger, then he will be cut off from his people. Now, 
um, I, I think that, you know, I, I didn't put in the, the, the time. I didn't have the time to put in on this, but I think that's the marijuana passage, the cannabis uh, that many people argue whether it should be there in the translation or not. But I will point out that uh, just to hope the argument, however it goes, is that it, it makes it very clear that the mixture that is being made here is specifically for the temple, for the priests, for the Levites, for the son of Aaron. And it seems everything here is set apart for that purpose and uh, whatever it is. And um, it makes it very clear that anybody who... Um, it says mixes anything like it, like him, then he will be cut off from his people. All right. Um, I'm putting my foot in my mouth. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that anybody who uh, takes part in cannabis is cut off. I'm just talking about the mixture here. Okay. I'm trying to read what comments you guys are saying here. The compound for the sweet incense. And Yahweh, the ever-living, he declared unto Al-Mashaha, take to you a drop of sweet spices, nitaf and sweet shakalath, and pure white frankincense. Each shall exist in equal parts, and you will fashion her as incense and anointment from the work of an anoint, anoint, ointment maker. Excuse me. Seasoned with salt, pure and set apart, and beat into pieces from her, beaten small, and gift her to face the revelation in the tent of meeting where I will where I will meet you. She will exist to you, Kudash, Kudashayam, most set apart. In the instance which you will fashion according to the proper measurements, you shall not fashion for yourselves. She will exist set apart unto you for Yahuwah, the ever-living. A man which fashions anything like unto her to breathe in the pleasing smell, he shall be cut off from his people. So again, this stuff, all all these ingredients, everything that's being made here, he's like, okay, this is specifically for the temple. This is for the most set apart place for the priest. You're you're not going to be selling this in shops, you know, uh, you know, touristy places or grocery stores. You're not. This is specifically for this purpose. Anyone else who replicates this outside of this very holy place will be cut off. The appointment of skilled workers. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, further set forth words into Al-Mashaha to declare, observe, I have called out to you by name Batala Al, the son of um, Ah, um, I'm going to butcher this name, apologies, ah Raya, uh, ban ha -war. From And we see here, this is why I put the King James right next to it, uh, by name Bizal-Eel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, uh, from the tribe of Yehuda. I have filled him with Ruach Alahayam in Chakamaha, in Bahwanuha, and in Badayeth, and with all her representative. Well, that's interesting because we see here in the King James, it says, uh, of course, we know Chak Chakamaha is wisdom. So we see the Ruach of wisdom, the Ruach of understanding, and the Ruach of knowledge. I'm actually getting, people say that this is the, you know, the Holy Spirit. Which I do believe that Chakamaha is the Ruach Kakadesh, but we're actually seeing three spirits here. We're seeing the spirit of understanding and knowledge and wisdom. All right, so give me a second and I'll show you. And to turn over in his mind, meditating upon inventions for working in gold and in silver and in copper and in engraving of stone fillings and in wood carving and in all manner of the prescribed service. How awesome is this? This is the first time I believe in 
canonical scripture where we actually see the the, the ruach of Allah Hayam, and it, this appears to be maybe three ruachs here. Uh, I know that really complicates things for the um, you know not yet another bullet point people can run with and you know oh no like can you hear what he's saying now i'm just i'm just showing you what's in scripture it it appears to be three different uh ruachs uh coming from Allah, but it's so cool that it's it's actually an artist an artisan and it's at, he's filled with it here and he's creating this uh according to the the ruach of alham and behold i even i have gifted him uh ahala yeah ab son of um this would be uh ahisamat from the tribe of, uh, I'm sorry, Ahol, Aholiab. Yeah, I'm still butchering him, maybe in the, in the English. The tribe of Dan and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted into whom I have gifted Chakamaha. So there's there's wisdom. There's the Ruach HaKadosh, Chakamaha. And they shall fashion all which I have established, the ten of meeting and the ark of revealed precepts and the covering of redemption which is upon him and all the implements of the tents and the table and all his implements and the pure menorah and all her implements and the altar of incense and the ascending altar and all his implements and the basin and, and his base and the noble princely garments and the set apart garments for Aaron, the priest and his son's garments to minister in the priest's, priest's office and the anointing oil and the sweet incense to be set apart like that which I have established for you. So you will fashion him. All right. Now I went over this in past weeks. It's going to cover it really briefly here. The seven Ruachoth of Alahayam. Of course, they say Ruachoth, that's plural for spirit, right? So there's literally seven spirits coming from Alahayam, one of which the Ruach Yahuwah. All right. So we, we, and that really confused me before I uh, understood. I used to, you know, think Yahweh or Yahuwah was the most high. He was the father, right? And now I see that he's the son. I'm like, okay, that actually makes better literal sense to me. So one of the seven is the Ruach Yahuwaha shall rest upon him. And the Ruach Chakamaha, that would be Chokma or Wisdom, or in Greek would be Sophia. And then we see Bina, that would be Understanding, the Ruach Itza, Counsel, and Gevura Might, the Ruach Da'af, that would be Knowledge, and Yira, Fear. All right, so there you have seven spirits, which we see again pop cropping up in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1-4, Revelation 3-1, Revelation 5-6, and 4-5. All talk about the the seven ruachoth of Alahayam proceeding there from which are before his throne. So that's interesting. And Yahuwah, the ever living, he declared toward Al Mashaha to say, "And you will set towards and order towards the sons of Yasharel to say, certainly my Sabbaths you will guard, for this is a powerful sign between me and between you, for generations circling to generation." For acquiring knowledge for i yahuwah the ever-living as setting you apart and you shall guard the sabbath for it is established powerful who dash set apart to you any who profanes wounds destroys or breaks her shall be executed and and pamela even implies here executed a second time for all that fashion in her any prescribed service especially the work of the artisan, that soul, that nefash, shall be cut off from the midst of his people. Six days he may fashion a prescribed work or service, but on the seventh, Shabbat, his Shabbat of rest is set apart to Yahuwah. 
all who fashions work or service on this Sabbath day, dying he shall be executed. Between me and between the sons of Yasharil, this shall be a sign to time of long duration. For six days, Yahuwah fashioned the Shamayam and Ha'arat, that would be heaven and earth. And in the seventh day, he rested the Sabbath and took a breather. I love that little line there by, um, of course, the King James says he was refreshed, but I love that little line there by Pamela at the end. He took a breather on the seventh day. Now he repeats himself repeatedly. He's like, six days work, seventh you know rest. And he keeps, remember, do not forget. You will be cut off. Do not break this. This is a sign. It's a mark. And when he had finished the Debar with him in Mount Sinai, he gave toward Al-Mashahad two tablets of the revealed precepts, tablets of precious stone like that written with the finger of Allah Hayyam. Now, this is something that I've talked about uh, with, like when I go on different, uh, uh, the big question on everybody's mind, they're like, Noel, if you're saying that uh, Revelation was fulfilled 70 AD, what's going on with the mark of the beast? What was the mark of the beast? And the, as I point out constantly, the problem with the mark of the beast is, I would say the problem with Revelation as a whole, the, the book itself is not the problem. Scripture is not the problem. The problem is, is that people are not reading the rest of the Bible. They're coming in and reading Revelation and trying to understand Revelation as it stands without doing any cross-referencing. When in fact, Yochanan is a Yahudim who is very familiar with the Torah. He hears it read his entire life, every Sabbath, going to the synagogue, and he's just referring to the Torah. All right? So, and I've given many different examples of where, you know, you can look at all these YouTube channels out there. They're all trying to tell you what the mark of the beast is. It's always the next thing. It's the next, next, next thing, you know, Neuralink or whatever. It's always something else coming down the pipeline. And I, I want to emphasize here before anybody misquotes me, I'm not telling anybody to become a Nephilim. I'm not telling anybody to take part in transhumanism. I'm not advocating any of this stuff, okay? I'm not advocating that anybody becomes unclean or splices with something else and, you know, cross-pollinating with animals or whatever is going on. I'm not telling anybody to do that. Please don't, all right? Don't become a Nephilim. Uh, but it's very clear that we can cross-reference with this passage right here, the mark of the peace, beast with the mark of Yah. So we read and uh, we, we see it repeated in Ezekiel, second witness. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign. That's the same thing as a mark. To be a sign or mark between me and them, that they might know that I am Yahuwah that sanctify them. All right? So if you want to have the mark, everyone's like, you know, I'm not deceived. I'm not going to take the mark of the beast. And we need to alert everybody because they're all going to take the mark of the beast. And you try to have this conversation with them and you're like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's very noble that you don't want to take the mark of the beast. But how about taking the mark of Yah? Do you want to do that? And you, they're like, what's the mark of Yah? You explain to them it's a Sabbath day. They're like, nope, not taking that. That can't be true. That 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 can't be true. That, that can't be a thing. All right. So maybe our concern should be more of rather than not taking the mark of the beast is actually taking the mark of Yah. Um, and we'll see why I hope to show you just in a few short passages here, why taking the mark of the Yah, the mark of Yah means you're not taking the mark of the beast. Uh, this is 
interesting, another passage here from Shemawath, uh, the Paleo-Hebrew again. This is like right as they're coming out uh, of, of Egypt. And when Yahuwah, the ever-living, has brought you to Arat, uh, the Canaanites, or Kenu Nuya, the land of the Canaanites, Canaan, which he promised to you and to your fathers that he would give you, then you shall pass over every first which opens the womb to Yahuwah, the ever-living, and to every first thing that springs forth of cattle, which shall come to you as a male belongs to Yahuwah. But the firstborn of an ass you shall redeem with a sheep or goat. If you do not redeem it, then break its neck. And all the established firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. When any of your sons hereafter shall ask, What is this? You shall reply to him, Yahuwah, the ever-living brought us out from Mitzrayim with a strong hand from the house of slavery. And when Pharaoh became obstinate and refused to send us away, then Yahuwah killed all the established firstborn of Adam and the established firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to Yahuwah, the ever-living, all that which cleaves open the womb being males. But all the firstborn of my sons I redeem, and he will exist of a mark upon your hand and for your, and for your bands between your eyes. There it is. Again, the hand and the forehead right here between your eyes, right? It's like your pineal gland, right? Because Yahuwah, the ever-living, brought us forth from Mitzrayim. I think I, I personally think that's a reference to the third eye. But it's the mark of Yahuwah. All right. We see here uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Let's see what this says. Hear, O Yasharel. Oh, this is the this is the, the famous passage. Oh, hear, O Yasharel, Yahuwaha, Alahayu, Yahuwaha is one, he is Ikad, and thou shalt love Yahuwaha, Alahayu, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine hearts. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sit in thine house. When thou walk by the way, and when thou lie down, and when thou lie up, okay, morning, afternoon, and night, when you're working, when you're resting, when you're sleeping, when you're living, when you're dead, you're to rehearse the commands in the Torah and his instructions in righteous living. And to the point that when you're actually dead, if you do, if you do this in life, then the Torah will instruct you in death. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt be as frontlets between thine eyes. Right here, the mark of Yahuwah, right here, right here. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And that's an actual command. If you haven't done it, please do so. Uh, write them. Write the commands. Uh, I, we have the Ten Commandments uh on our in front of a house even when we're in our fifth one our trailer we have it the right there at the door and i actually think this serves multiple purposes it's for you to remind you to instruct you i actually think it's uh to instruct uh wandering spirits as well to let them know this household right here this is you know going by these laws this is what they keep and i think i i think that's important Now I just I just said I think right there right that was my opinion the last part about the spirits but the fact of the matter is is the command is there to do it and then we see in Revelation 13 here's the familiar one that nobody sources these others when they talk I shouldn't say nobody but you guys know what I mean and he causeth all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark or a sign in their right hand or in their foreheads interesting 
and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, the sign, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. All right, here is wisdom. Here's Chokma Let, or Sophia. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for his number of a man and his number is 603 score and six. All right. So without going down the, the beast and the Antichrist, uh, the, the, the number, the name, all that, um, you can clearly see here that you can't, if you have the mark of Yahuwah, you cannot buy or sell on Sabbath. You can't buy or sell unless you take the mark of the beast. I'm detecting a theme here. Do you guys see it? Am, am, I, am I just making this up? Am I grasping it? You know, vis, visible stuff. I mean, I, I I don't know why people aren't proclaiming this from the rooftop at this point in history. We there should be thousands of videos and sermons and everything else out there going, guys. The mark of the beast explained. It is, it is losing the mark of Yah, so that you can buy or sell on the Sabbath. I I don't know how that can be any more um, clear. All right. So the point is, is that Yochanan is not writing Revelation with a warning for some techno technologically advanced thing, thousands and thousands of years in the future. All right. Like, you know, he's writing about something that affects every single generation. You and I have been making this decision our whole lives. Our ancestors have been making this decision their whole lives. Don't take the mark. And then here we are on Sabbath day. Take the mark of Yah. And then we have to make up our decision next week. Don't take the mark of the beast. Next week, don't take the mark of the beast. Something we go through our whole lives. Don't take the mark. All right. Can't state that enough. Um, and, and, you know, the, the other thing, too, um, yeah, I, I see some um, talking about uh, technological stuff again. And again, yeah, don't do that. But it's like I have seen so many jaded people. I remember back when um, – remember when uh, 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 ISBN numbers, when did those come out? I think the 60s, and they became like standard by the 70s. Guys, that would that whole generation thought that was the mark. You can't buy or sell without an ISBN number, right? And you you guys all know the 666 in there, right? Um, the, the whole world system is 666. Like that, that's the whole thing. Don't take on, don't be scanning that ISBN number on a Sabbath and you're okay. That it says 666, right? And it's always the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then people are jaded and they're like, why can't I take the next uh, technological advancement? Because all the others haven't been the mark of the beast, clearly, right? And you, you see where that is just, it just leads people to misdirection. And they don't see what the most holy and righteous thing is, is that the mark of his day. I'm sorry if I'm being a broken record here. I just, I feel like somebody out there right now needs to hear this. That it's going to save somebody's soul. They're nefesh by just listening to the commands so cleanly laid out and do it. It's the fourth commandment. Keep the Sabbath day. And the people confounded observed that Mashaha had failed their hope and expectation by not descending from out of the mountain. He's up there for a long time. He said he'd be there for 40 days. And the people, I think it's like the 40th day, by the way. They're like, he's, they're, they're all going down. They're going, okay, he said he would be gone 40 days. It's the 40th day. Okay, what do we do now? They start like panicking, right? They weren't going to wait around for the 41st day. 
and the according to i think rabbinical tradition it was only like noon it was like lunchtime like they got up they ate their breakfast they got their 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 manna whatever they gathered it they're sitting around going okay moshe moshe's not here everybody panic and the people together called out into Aaron and said to him, Arise, fashion to us Allah Hayam, and he will walk to our faces for this man, Mashaha, which brought us up out of Aratz Matarim. We have no knowledge as to what exists to him. So Aaron is there with the 70 elders and Yahushua and uh, his two sons. Uh, it was Abinadab and Abihu. And what I'm trying to figure out is that there is no mention here of any of the others. There's no mention of Aaron's sons. There's no mentions. We, we know Yahushua stayed there because he shows up later on in a few paragraphs. Where are these 70 elders? I don't know where they're at. Uh, apparently they, they're able to go to the skirt of the mountain or wherever Aaron is. You know, they do not go up all the way. Only Moshe is up there at the very top and they're able to pressure him and whine to him. And, you know, and uh, yeah, so you guys all know what happens. Let's keep reading. And Aaron declared unto them, break off golden rings, which are on the ears of your women, on your sons and on your daughters, and bring them to me. And the people broke off uh, the golden rings, which were on their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he took from their hand and formed him with an engraving tool after he had fashioned him as a revolving bullock cast from metal. And he declared unto them, Alaha, this is your Alahaya, O Yasharel, which has brought you up from Arat Mitzrayim. And Aaron observed, and he built an altar to his face, and he called out, A feast unto Yahuwah tomorrow. And they rose early on the morrow and offered ascending offerings and approached with thanksgiving. And the people settled down to eat and to drink and rose up to laugh, to mock, and to make sport. Um, Sounds very charismatic what's going on. I just realized, man, I wish I had like pictures in here of the actual rock at Mount Sinai where the golden calf was. Maybe next week I'll have to share them. You guys, you know, most of you have seen it, but it's it's nice to illustrate it as we uh, go along. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, set words in order to Al-Mashaha, walk, descend, for your people whom, <laughs> he says your people here, right? It's it's almost like a parent, you know, when like your your child does something wrong it's, and you look to, I would look to my wife and go, your son, or look what your daughter did, right? And it's almost like that's what uh, Yahuwah is saying here. He's like, yeah, look, look what your people are doing right now. Whom you have brought forth, whom you have brought forth from Mitzrayim. Uh, because <laughs> always before he's like, I have brought them out, you know, I, they're my people. Now he's like, yeah, these are, you, you, look what you, look what your people are doing that you have brought up. They have turned aside hastily out from the way, which I have established for them. I love the fact that Pamela put the way there. And um, it, it, she probably could have phrased this maybe a few different ways, even though you see the King James also says the way. So you can see how I, I highlighted that. I'll be addressing that. And let me just repeat this again. So you'll remember this when I cover it again. They have turned aside hastily out from the way which I established for them. And of course, his commands, his Torah, right? That is the way. They have fashioned to themselves a molten calf and have bowed down to him and slaughtered animals to him and have declared of him, this is your God, your Alahaya, O Yasharel, which brought you up from Aratz Matrim. And Yahuwah declared unto Al-Mashaha, I have observed this people. And behold, this is a hardened, obstinate-necked people. 
And we'll see stiff neck later on as well. And now at this time, rest to me. My nostrils shall flare. My anger shall burn against them. And I will completely destroy them. And I will fashion as a powerful sign of you a great nation. So he, I don't think I need to probably illustrate the idea of nostrils flaring, right? You guys can picture that. Um, but yeah, he's ready to like, he's, he's, he's like, I am done with these people. I'm going to wipe them out. I know I technically Mashahai comes from Abraham, right? But he's like, look, I know I said I was going to make great people of a out of Abraham. Um, I'm just going to make a great people out of you now. We'll start from scratch. And Mashaha was carefully uh, solicitous unto the face of Yahuwah, his Alahaya. And he said, for what purpose does Yahuwah kindle your anger with your nostrils flared? And breathing hard in your wrath against your people, whom you have brought forth from Arat's Mitzrayim with great power and with a strong hand. For what will the Mitzrayim speak of him to say? For evil did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains, to completely consume them from over the face of Ha Adamaha. It's kind of interesting because we see Abraham pleading with Yahuwah over Sodom and Gomorrah. But in this case, Moshe is like, everybody knows what you did to the Egyptians because they would not let your people go. Now you're saying you're going to bring these people out and you're going to destroy them. That's going to look bad on you. And uh, and I'm pleading that you save these people for your name's sake, that you go through this for your name's sake and not for their sake. Turn away then the burning heat of your anger and be comforted over this calamity against your people. Be mindful of Abraham, of Yitzhak, and Yasharil, your servants, which you swore an oath to them by yourself. Right? Now remember, when... When Abraham cut the covenant with, oh, I'm sorry, when Yahuwah cut the covenant with Abraham and he cut the animal in two, he put Abraham into a dream so that he himself was like in a stupor. He himself could not walk through that animal. It was Yahuwah alone with the torch that went through it to say, uh, I will uphold my end. I'm going to do this. You're not going to do it. Your people is not going to do it. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> I will multiply your seed like the stars of Hashamayim, and as I have spoke of to you, I will give Ha'aratz to your seed, and he shall inherit to time of long duration, as far as the eye can see or perceive, to the edge of the horizon and beyond. And Yahuwah, and Yahuwah the ever-living, grieved over the calamity which he had planned to work against his people. That's really fascinating right there. Number one is we're looking at, I can't imagine a greater... Um, moral depravity than what we're actually seeing but to actually I'll, I'll talk about that in a second to actually see um yahuwah grieve over the calamity which he had planned to work he changes his mind uh, we've had this discussion in the past in the past does uh, uh yahuwah does allah Hayam change his mind does he grieve or whatever, you know, what he might may have done? It appears to be saying that right here. He was going to do one thing and then he's like, oh man, I'm actually glad I didn't do that. I'm glad I did not follow through, you know, being a jealous, a jealous, uh, a jealous Alahayim, like a jealous lover, right? I mean, think about the things you do in your jealousy. Um, we're reading this week from the Golden Calf incident, and I can hardly think of a, of a, better example of something that is twisted uh, and abused by the by many in the Torah community 
as this. They they use this incident as fear porn. And I'll give you some examples. We were discussing this uh, on Discord before we went live on YouTube. And we were talking about the coming feast. And a lot of the people in the community are kind of new to Torah. Maybe they have family members that aren't on board. They feel alone. And when the feast, we're coming up on Passover. And when the feasts come up, the, the spring, the fall, the three times of the year, one of them would be uh, Pentecost. There's a lot of uh, anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of t uh, trepidation because it's very anthropological and there's all these commands and they don't know if they're doing it right and they feel that they're going to displease uh, Yah by maybe they, you know, oops, they messed up on something here. And I have seen the calendar people and, uh, and other groups, they use this example all the time of if you don't get this perfectly right, you, you're, like, you're like these people worshiping the golden calf because they thought they were worshiping Yahuwah and they did it wrong. And it is interesting that Aaron says, here is Yahuwah. Here is your God. Here's the one that you, you know, up there on the mountain, here he is and um, worship him. Then you just see him get rowdy and, you know, just mocking and falling on their butt drunk or whatever they're doing we see later uh, I, I do appreciate the pamela uh basically translates it that they were naked they were taking their clothes off i mean this was moral depravity it's not the same thing okay we're looking at it in we're looking at the, the moral depravity of humanity where you are literally in the presence of yahuwah he is right there on the mountain his face is right there and there's smoke and there's fire and there's trumpets and there's uh, there's actually angels up there. There's a multitude of angels. Um, I'll, I'll just cover a little comment on that later tonight. And you're right there in his presence. And you're like, what's taking so long? This is just, I mean, I know you're right there, but come on. This is just taking so long. Let's just worship another God. All right. That That is, I can't think of a better example of moral depravity. That is not the same thing of coming to Yahuwah, coming to God like a child and wanting to worship him. And it's, it's an example of when the children were coming to Yahusha and people are trying to shoo him away. He's like, you're bothering him. Stop it. And he's like, no, let the children come to me. He's like, you know, you need to be a child. If you want to enter the kingdom, you need to be like this. You need to be a child. You need to be moldable. You need to be uh, teachable, right? You need to come uh, with not having all the knowledge, knowing that you are this, uh, you're, you're not immortal. You're, you're literally a, uh, you're, you're not all knowledgeable. You're immortal. You know nothing. And you come to me and let me teach you. This is what I want. It's the idea of uh, a child who brings their parents a picture of, they, you know, blank piece of paper. They took crayons out. You know, they had their, they're biting their tongue. You know, they're all, you know, the making these stick figures and you're trying to figure out, you're like, what is this? Is this like, I don't know. Is it, why is the sun burning this? You know, I don't what, 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 what in the world's happening. Right. And you have to have your child. Oh, this is the dragon. And the, you know, whatever. Um, here's mommy and here's daddy. And here's my brother and sister. And here's our house. And um, you put it on your fridge. They're not Picasso. Okay, they're, they're your child and you you love your child and you just love the fact that they made you this painting, this picture. It's not very good. And that's what that's what the relationship has to be like with Allah Hayam, who is he is the, the create like all of creation emanates from him. 
everything in the material realm, everything below the firmament, everything above, like it all, all of our words, our very souls, our spirit, everything comes from him. You know, uh, you read in the gospel of Thomas where Yahuwah says, you know, chop that log right there and I'm in the log, right? That's, that's our creator and we're nothing. And so we come to him knowing that our father loves us and he just wants us to come to him. And we, he wants us to have a heart and a desire to serve him. And he says, look, this is how I want you to serve me. Just do this. But he's not going to, you know, be, it's not the same thing as the, um, the golden calf. And I'm just like on this, uh, right from trails tonight. All right. Well, let's look at the way right here. Um, I love that um, that statement to the way. They have turned aside hastily out from the way which I established for them. Well, we see here in Psalm 119.1, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the Torah of Yahuwah. So here we can cross-reference and we could see that the reference to the way in Psalm is the same as Exodus. Walking in the way is those... Um, undefiled in the way are those who walk in the Torah of Yahuwah. So if they have left hastily from the way at Mount Sinai, it's because they have left the Torah. Well, we read in Psalm 119 a little bit further over, the righteousness, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy Torah is truth. So now we can know the truth in scripture is defined by the Torah. So the way, the truth, both Torah. And then we get this example here in Deuteronomy 32. Moshe finished speaking all these words to all Yashro, and he said to them, Set your hearts on all the words which I, which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of what? Of this Torah. For it is not a futile thing for you because it is your life. So now we know that the Torah is the way, the truth, and the life. And we see here Yahusha saying, Yahusha said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when everyone out there is telling you the Torah, no, it's, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, not the Torah. It's like, well, no, he's actually saying that he is the Torah. He's the Torah made flesh. He's the one that commanded the Torah. He's the one that spoke the Torah. And he said that the Torah is the way, the truth, and life. And I am all those things, right? All right. Well, let's keep, let's keep reading. It comes, of course, from John or Yochanan 14.6. Well, we read in Yochanan 1.14, and the word, the Torah, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And now in past weeks, I've I've cross-referenced the idea of beholding his glory was the same glory that filled the temple, the tabernacle. Same glory. Romans 10.4, what does this say? For Mashiach is the end of the Torah. Uh-oh. <laughs> what you talking about, Paul? For Mashiach is the end of the Torah for righteousness to everyone who believes. And I put a note in here. The word end is telos in Greek, which literally means result, purpose, goal, fulfillment, or outcome. So Mashiach is the outcome, the purpose of the Torah, the goal or the result of the Torah for righteousness to everyone who believes. All right. Now, here we see in the Didache. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I want to say didache. I want to say didache, but I think it's a dedeke. I think it's dedeke actually. Like it should be a K there instead of a CH. There are two ways, right? Remember the way. There are two ways, one of life and one of death, the blessing and the curse. And there's a great difference between the two ways. 
the way of life. So what is the way, the truth, and life? We got two of them right there, way and life. The way of life is this. First, you shall love Allah Hayyam who made you. And second, love your neighbors yourself. And do not do to another what you would not want done to you. And that comes directly from, uh, this is also known as the teaching of the 12. And I find it a fascinating book. Apparently, the idea is, is that the 12 apostles in Yerushalayim got together and wrote this instruction out. I, too bad it wasn't canonized. And they uh, wrote this instruction out and disbanded and uh, sent it out to the different churches. I want to do a whole study on on the didache. I'll have to first learn how to pronounce it properly, not didache, before I do it and embarrass myself. Speaking of the way, the early believers, the early church, they were known as the way. And we see in Acts 19.9, and he went into the synagogue, this would be Paul, dun, 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 and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of Allah Hayyam. That's interesting because people accuse Paul of not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But you see reference after reference after reference where he, he preaches the kingdom of, of God. But when diverse were uh, divers were hardened and believed not, but spoke evil of what? The way. Before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the Talmudim, disputing daily in the school of one Ty uh, Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Adonai Yahusha, both uh, Yahudim and the Greeks. Uh, so when people were speaking evil of the way, which began at Mount Sinai, Paul separated. Uh, we see here, this is Paul speaking again. I persecuted the way to the death. That's a really interesting play on the words, right? Because the way leads to life. And so now he's persecuting the way to the death, binding and delivering to prison, both men and women. But I confess to you, that comes from 22.4. So this is now 24.14 of, of Ma'asim or Acts. But this, I confess to you that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the Allah Hayyam of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the Torah and written in the prophets. So Paul is saying the way, uh, the way which derives from Allah Hayyam of our fathers is the same way that was that they strayed from at Sinai. I believe, Paul affirms, I believe everything laid down by the Torah and written in the prophets. Of course, what's important about written in the prophets is the prophets are always saying, just, just keep it, just obey it, just repent. All right. So I think it's just madness when people are saying that Paul didn't follow the Torah and he wasn't into it. It's like it's madness because time and again by his own confession, he's like, No, I believe I I, I follow the way, and the way follows the Torah. He's identifying the two together. All right, let's keep reading. And Mashaha turned his face from him, and he descended the mountain with the two table tablets of the revealed precepts in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on this side and on that side were their, uh, were their writings. And the tablets are the work of Allah Hayyam, and the, this writing is from the writing of Allah Hayyam, which he had engraved upon the tablets. This would be uh, Yahushua, or Joshua, right here, and Yahawashae heard and responded to the voice of the people and their outcry. And he said unto Al-Mashaha, the voice of fighting is in the encampment. Now, this is, I don't know. Where did the elders go? Where did Aaron's sons go? I, I don't really know. Uh, we just know that Yahushua is the only one that stayed behind. 
So when when they came and got Aaron, apparently I don't think he was really thinking that he, he wasn't even thinking that Aaron would do what he did. And he declared, this is not the voice crying out in military victory, nor is it like voices crying out the slaughter, but rather it is the voice of singing, which I hear. Isn't that interesting? Like, it, it's almost like I'm thinking like this, like, like, a, like sounds from a rave or something like that. You know, if you've ever heard them before, uh, which I have, um, I was, I was, I remember one time when I was in France, uh, we were spending a month in a tower on the French Swiss border in the Alps. This tower was apparently built by King Louis the Fourteenth. It might be the Thirteenth. I think it was King Louis the Fourteenth. And uh, I'm up, I'm up there writing, and um, I. It was just the weirdest thing. This this rave. We were out in the middle of the country, and this rave just comes this big tent, and they set it up all night, and all these people come there by morning. It's all gone, all stripped away. But it was like it sounded like the voices from hell in there. Like just you could hear the crying out, and it was just so bizarre. And I always picture the same thing here all right now speaking of the elders uh, i wanted to spend some time talking about this tonight and as the unexpected cosmology uh, assuming that y'all wants to keep this the, the doors open of this ministry um i'm trying to structure this more like an online church and so we have uh three elders here just so everybody knows one would be myself. I would be the, the I guess, the senior elder. Uh, there are two others, Michael and Dave. I had Dave on a couple of weeks ago. He's a buddy of mine. And also Michael. Michael's been with me for two or three years now, uh, probably like three years. And we used to go through the teachings together on the uh, Hebrew Revelation, Hebrew John. We did Jude and um, and James together, all the Hebrew books. And we did uh, the Aramaic Targum. And he comes in for studies. He's coming in next week. He's one of the elders here. So I, we have three elders. And I want to spend some time um, talking about elders and what the purpose of them are in the Old Testament as well as the New. So the first reference I can find to elders. And keep in mind, too, that like the elders were the representative of Moshe. They, I, I don't know if they knew what was happening or not. I'm still confused on that. I would like to get to the bottom of that. Uh, it's, it's very clear that a lot of the Levites and a lot of the elders did not take part in the 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 bowl of the the golden calf. If they did, they were slaughtered afterwards. Uh, this is the first reference I can find to elders in the Bible. Now, Yahweh, the ever living, had said to Aaron, "Walk into the wilderness to meet Mashaha." This is Exodus four. So this is the beginning uh, before the whole Pharaoh let my people go incident. So he went and met him at the Mount of Ha'alahayam. And he kissed him. So they meet at Sinai. Then Meshaha related to Aaron all the instructions of Yahuwah, the ever-living, which he had sent to him. And he did the signs which he had commanded. Then Meshaha walked in Aaron. And so what is the first thing they do? They gathered all the bearded ones of Yasharel. And I love how Pamela translates it as the bearded ones. Any other translations will say the elders. And Aaron repeated all the matters which Yahuwah the ever-living had spoken to Meshaha, and he produced the signs before the eyes of the people. So the, so the first thing he does is he goes to the, the elders and he says, okay, this is the plan. This is what's going to happen. Now you guys go out and tell the people this. And the Passover would not have been a success at all if it weren't for the elders. Because let's see what they what happens here. Meshaha then called out for all the bearded ones of Yasharel. He's going to tell them, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. Declaring, draw draw out and take for yourselves a sheep or goat 
for your families and kill the uh, Pesach lamb. Now I'm going to skip all this. You guys know about the instructions here. I want to pay attention to the the, uh, the last line. This is Exodus 12. And the sons of Yashorah walked in fashion like that, which Yahuwah had appointed until, uh, until Meshach and Aaron. In that manner they worked. So if, if there was malpractice amongst these elders, if they did not go out and tell them how to kill the lamb, don't break the bones, take the blood, put it over the doorpost, save your, you know, if they hadn't done all that, then there, there would have been people that didn't follow his directions because they didn't know, and they would have had their sons that died, and there would have been malpractice. It was up to the elders to actually go and shepherd the people. Of course, Mashah has the master shepherd, and, and of course, Yahusha Hamashiach is our master shepherd, but I'm jumping ahead. Now we see here, this is a chapter in Shamawath or Exodus chapter 17. Uh, Moshe's father-in-law doesn't show up to chapter 18. All right, so this is a chapter before this. And Mishaha cried out unto Al Yahuwah, the ever-living, to say, From what will I fashion for this people? Yet again, they are ready to overwhelm me with stones. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, declared unto Al Mashaha, Pass through to the face of the people and take for yourself bearded ones of Yasharel. So before before the advice of the father of father-in-law Jethro coming and saying, "Okay, you, this is you know you are overwhelmed here. You need to take people out. These elders, you need to appoint these elders to do every you know do these tasks for you." Yahuwah already told them that a, a chapter earlier. And of course, here in, cha in chapter eighteen, we see that. Um, and Mishaha replied to his father-in-law, for the people come frequently beating a pathway to me. I, I love that line. I feel I almost feel like you know he's got like hedges up around his tent and they're like beating down the hedges to get in to you know onto his lawn. To inquire of Allah Hayam, when there exists to them a matter, it comes to me and I litigate the cause between a man and between his companion because I have acquired knowledge of Allah Hayam's established statutes and his Torah. And of course, we know that he is to delegate the Torah uh, to the elders and they're to uphold it. Now we see in chapter 24, um, and he declared unto Al-Mashaha, saying, Ascend unto Yahuwah, the ever-living, you and Aaron, Nudab, and Ab uh, Abayaha, and the 70 bearded ones of Yasharel. All right, so these are the 70 elders. You shall prostrate yourself from a distance. And Mashaha had approached Yahuwah, the ever-living, by himself, and they had not drawn near, and the people had not ascended with him. I don't know what happens to the 70 elders. Where are they? Why are they missing from the, the scene uh, in tonight's passage? All right, well, let's fast forward to Ezekiel. Make a chain, for the land is full of bloody crimes, and the city is full of violence. Wherefore, I will bring the worst of the heathen, and they shall possess their houses. I will also make the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. And so we see an incident where uh, Yasharel has become so morally depraved that... Uh, He's like, all right, you know, that's what the people want. I'm going to bring in these foreign invaders who are uh, the worst of the heathen, is what he calls them. The worst of the heathen, they're going to possess their... Uh, let, I mean, let's just pray that... We all talked about the coming judgment in America. Let, let's pray it doesn't come to that, right? I mean, that's that's not what the, the prophets wanted. They wanted the land to repent. And uh, so let's just pray for repentance. The people, we, that we don't get to that point. Where one day we look out our window and, you know, there's there's airplanes coming over with parachuters and tanks rolling down the street. And you hear the machine guns going off. Let's hope we don't get to that point. 
I will also uh, make the pomp of the strong deceased, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction cometh, and they shall seek shalom, and there shall be none. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and rumor shall be upon rumor. Then shall they seek a vision of the prophet. So after all these things happen, and there's rumors of war and mischief and all these terrible things happening, then people are going to seek a vision of the prophet. They, they had their chance, and they didn't do it. And it says, but the Torah shall perish from the priest and counsel from the ancients. The councils are the, 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 the ancients are the elders. The Torah shall perish. I love this line here from Hosea or Husha. My people are destroyed for lack of the knowledge. And I, I get, to, I've been told this a lot. People come to me because I advocate the Torah and they're like, they, they will, they're like, oh, well, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ha ha. I get it because I advocate the Yah's instructions, righteous living. I'm the one destroyed for lack of knowledge because if I had true knowledge, I would know we're not supposed to keep it anymore. Right. But I'm always like, you know, why don't you keep reading that past that same verse? Why don't you finish the verse? Because it says, because you have rejected the knowledge, what knowledge I will also reject you that you shall be no priest to me. Remember, we're supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Seeing you have forgotten the Torah of your Allahayam, I will also forget your children. So we are destroyed for lack of knowledge when we forget the Torah. Bummer. Of course, the the ending of the new the Old Testament ends with Malachi, and it says, Remember ye the Torah of Moshe, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Yasharel. And of course, you know, people read this in the Bible, and then you turn the page and it says the New Testament. And it's like, yes, we don't we don't have to obey the Torah anymore. All right, even though it ends, the old testament ends, remember the Torah, the statutes and the ordinances. And you turn the page and you're supposed to forget it, apparently. All right. Uh now in in Jeremiah. We see another interesting scene happening. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares Yahuwah. So these shepherds now, these are, we call them pastors, call them elders. They are not tending to the flock as they're supposed to in his commands, his ordinances, his Torah. Therefore, thus says Yahuwah, the Alhayam, the Alhayam of Yasharel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares Yahuwah. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful, multiply. I will set shepherds, think of elders, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares Yahuwah. Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahuwah, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And this is speaking of Mashiach. And he, of course, he raises himself up as Mashiach. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Yehuda will be saved and Yashua will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. Yahuwah is our righteousness. That comes from Jeremiah chapter 23. All right, so the idea is, is that Yahushua comes as like the reset, right? He's going to come and he's going to live the Torah. He's going to be the chief shepherd. He's going to set up new shepherds over the people. So now we get into the New Testament and we're looking at some of the, the ideas of what an elder does. This comes from Kepha Rishon or 1 Peter chapter 5. The elders which are among you I exhort. 
who am also an elder. That's interesting. So uh, Kepha says he doesn't call himself an apostle here. He says, I'm an elder. And a witness of the sufferings of Mashiach, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of Elohim, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, so not for money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being adonim over Elohim's heritage, but being examples of the flock. So you're not there to be, you're not like lording over the flock. You're not like, I'm in control. You know, you're, you know, bow down to me or anything like that. Right. Uh, kiss my hand, that kind of stuff. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're getting down and you're serving the people. You are just as Mashiach did for us. You are lower. If you are going to be a leader, if you're going to be an elder, you're serving the people, you're serving the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Now, before I read the next one, and I just want to you know, talk quickly about like uh, Michael and, and Dave, who uh, who I've uh, brought on, they've willingly agreed. And they, they've really been playing the role of elder for years. I mean, you, if, for anyone who comes to Discord, comes to the Tuck community, who's the first person that greets you there? Michael. Boom. Every time. He's just there. He's just coming in and saying, hey, welcome. Tell us about yourself. And of course, Dave has just been incredible and in just being uh, loyal to keep up the website and uh, administrator uh, for the all the technical end and, and so on and so forth. And they've just been serving the community. Now, this comes from, once again, the, the Dace or the Dedeke, the teaching of the Twelve. But every Sabbath, gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanksgiving after having confessed your transgressions. So let's remember that going into every Sabbath that we need to confess our transgressions. And obviously we cannot be, we're not in each other's homes, uh, but we do gather together. And uh, I make a point of it uh, before we go live to gather together and break bread the best way we can. Maybe I need to start doing that. Like right, like while we're all talking, I'll just be breaking bread you know, on my end. That your sacrifice may be pure. So remember, if, you, if you're not confessing your transgressions and your sacrifice is not pure. You need to come into every Sabbath with a pure consciousness. Because we're to be living sacrifices, right? But let no one that is at variance with his fellow come together with you until they are reconciled that your sacrifice not, may not be profaned. I will be ending tonight's discussion talking about this line right here. But moving ahead. Or, the, or this is that which was spoken by Yahuwah in every place and time offered to me a pure sacrifice. For I am a great king, says Yahuwah, and my name is wonderful among the nations. Therefore, appoint for yourselves elders and deacons worthy of Yahuwah, men meek and not lovers of money, and truthful and proven, for they also rendered to you the service of prophets and teachers. They need to be able to teach the Torah. They need to be able to serve people not looking for financial gain. Despise them not, therefore, for they are your honored ones, together with the prophets and teachers, and reprove one another, not in anger, but in peace and shalom, as you have it in the Bezorah. But to everyone that acts amiss against another, let no one speak, nor let him hear anything from you until he repents. And again, I want to end tonight talking about the disciplinary end, because this is a big disciplinary section in the Torah with the, uh, the golden calf. Uh, but just to it, it's this is here to, to say to honor the elders. Okay, they're in a they're here to serve you, but they're in a place of respect. Do not come in and be contempt in court. Do not be bitter towards them. Uh, they are here uh, to serve you and to to lead by example.
Um, here's one from Polycarp to the Philippians. Knowing then that God is not mocked. Uh, and of course, I'm not going to you know, read it in Hebrew or anything like that. Uh, we ought to walk worthy of his commandment and glory. In like manner, should the deacons be blameless before the face of his righteousness as being the servants of God and Christos and not of men? They must be. They must not be slanderers, double-tongued, or, or lovers of money. That lovers of money comes in there a lot, right? Which goes contrary to human nature, right? Because we work for money, right? So they're not working for money, but temperate in all things, compassionate, industrious, walking according to the truth of Yahuwah, who was the servant of all. If we please Him in this present world, we shall receive also the future world, according as He has promised to us that He will raise us again from the dead. And that if we live worthily of him, we shall also reign together with him, providing only we believe. All right. And I, again, I'm going to end the night on talking about the uh, some of the, the policies, uh, you know, how we work things uh, when people come in that are content, uh, contemptuous. And it happens, unfortunately. But let's keep reading, and then I'll finish off with that. And he existed in approaching the camp, and he observed the bullock and the dancing, and Mishaha's anger burned, and he cast down from his hand the tablets, and he violently broke into pieces them at the lower part of the mountain, and he took the bullock which he had fashioned, and he burned it in fire, and he ground it until it was like dust and scattered it upon the face of the water, and he made the sons of Yashro drink it. So he melted the gold of this calf, turned it into a liquid, like a molten liquid, and uh, he made everyone drink it. Sounds lovely. And Meshaha spoke towards Aaron, what did the people do unto you, given that you accomplished upon him so great a calamity? And Aaron spoke, uh, Al, do not burn with anger, for you know the people, for they are wicked. And I said to them, whosoever has gold, let him break it off. And they gifted him to me, and I threw it into the fire, and this calf came forth. So according to... Um, Aaron, he it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people have, have asked these questions. Why did Aaron not die? And, uh, you know, he's it, it almost sounds like an excuse of like uh, when Yahuwah approaches Adam and Chuaha or uh, Chua, and uh, and he he looks to Adam and he's like, What happened? And he's like, Well, this woman you gave me, and then he looks to the woman, and he's like, Well, the serpent you gave me, right? There, it's like casting blame on someone else and Aaron's like well look the, the people are wicked this is what they wanted and I just I just threw in the jewelry and this calf came out on its own like if you in the Aramaic Targum it actually talks about how uh he says that actually Satan actually showed up and he brought out the calf that he I, like I had nothing to do with that I, I just I threw all their jewelry in there to to melt it and look that just came out on its own and Meshaha observed the people, for they were unbridled, lawless, naked. And there it is. They were naked. They were lawless, without Torah. And they were just totally like they had gone to the most vile conditions. For Aaron had caused them to lose restraint, to be overthrown by their uprisers. And Meshaha stood firm in the entrance of the encampment, and he declared, Who is for Yahuwah? Come toward me. And all the sons of Levi, or Lahuahyah, assembled unto him and he declared unto them like this says yahuwah the ever-living Allahiah of yasharil place every man his sword upon his thigh and pass himself through and turn himself back from gate unto gate throughout the encampment and kill every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his near one and the sons of levi did accomplish like 
the purpose plan of Mashaha, and 3,000 men fell from the people on that day. And Mashaha said, Fill your hand this day into Yahuwah the ever living for every man upon his son and upon his brother that he may gift upon you this day a Barak, uh, barak Aha. And that would be a gift. So 3,000 men apparently were taking part in this, all killed. And he existed, and he existed upon the morrow that Mashaha did declare toward the people. You you did sin, a great sin, and now I will ascend to Yahuwah, the ever-living. Perhaps I can cover over in exchange for your fault. And Mashaha did turn back toward Al-Yahuwah, the ever-living, and he said, I pray this people have sinned a great sin and have fashioned unto them an Allahiah of gold. At this time, if you will, lift up their fault and conditionally, if not, wipe me away from your Sephar, which you wrote." Now there's a reference right there to the uh, the book of life, you know, and everybody. And I wish I would have sourced it from Revelation. Uh, everybody's written in the book of life. That that should be everyone's fear that you're blotted out from the book of life. So you know that's the whole thing about being saved until the end. That, in, in my opinion, that kind of it goes against the idea that you're just saved at some point, um, and. I understand that Yahusha saves us, but we're not ultimately saved until the end. He who perseveres until the end, and he who does not persevere until the end, he will be blotted out from the book of life. And Yahuwah the ever-living said unto Al-Mashaha, uh, oh yeah, I, I read that. Um, oh yeah, no, whoever that, that has sinned against me, him I will wipe away from my safar. Now therefore walk. Lead the people toward where I have established words unto you. Behold, my Malak, my messenger, my angel, shall walk to your face. And in the day of my striking against, then will I strike against them their sin. And Yahuwah struck the people on account of him who fashioned the bullock which Aaron made. Now this comes from the Aramaic Targum. I'm running out of time, so unfortunately I'm not going to cover too much of this. But this is the, the same passage. I'll just read the highlighted parts here. This is kind of trippy. And it says, and Satan or Satana had come and caused them to err and perverted their hearts with pride. Now, when you read a lot of uh, rabbinical tradition or commentary, they talk about how uh, Satan, he was, um, he was trying to figure out, I guess, uh, where the Torah was being given. And the Torah was handed to the Goyim. It was given to the Ishmaelites. It was given to the sons of Esau. It was given to different people, and they all rejected it. They're like, we don't want this. And so finally it came to, apparently, now this is you know some of the, these extra commentaries. And so Satan's going all over, around the world trying to figure out where's the Torah, where's it coming down. And finally he comes to these people, he arrives, and immediately he sets about to pervert them. Uh, oh, yeah, this was interesting. So Aaron says, deliver the golden rings that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And their wives denied themselves to give their ornaments to their husbands. And all the people at once delivered up the golden rings, which were in their ears. So I find this kind of funny. The women are like, no, you can't have my, my earrings, my jewelry. Sorry, they're, they're for me. Remember now, they, they looted Egypt. They came out with all this stuff. And uh, the men are, you know, and. I don't know how many did they take from like uh, women, the bride price, right? They may have like coin uh, hats or jewelry around them and they're pulling these off. 
and the women are are fighting against it and the men are overcoming them and we scroll all the way down and we see here and it was when moshe came near the camp and saw the calf and the instruments of music in the hands of the wicked who were dancing and bowing before it and this is what moshe sees and satana among them dancing and leaping before the people that that scene just it's like a haunting scene to see this just wickedness down there and people just like naked and drunk and probably an orgy and you know all sorts of stuff happening and there is hasatan uh dancing amongst them all right let's keep reading And Yahuwah, the ever-living, set words in order into Al-Mashaha. Walk, go up from this place, and you and the people which you have brought up from Arat Matarim, which I swore to Abraham, to Yitzhak, and to Yaakov, to say, unto your seed I will give her, and I will send out a Malak, and I will thrust out the one of Canaan, uh, or Canaan, and the one of Amar, and the one of Faraz. So he's talking here about uh, the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, and the Perizzite and Hivite and the Jebusite, and the one of Chahua, and the one of Chahua, and the one of Yabawa, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your midst, for you are a hard necked, obstinate people, lest I completely destroy you along the way. Right? There's the way again. They're a stiff necked people moving away from the way, and they're going to be destroyed. And the people heard and responded to this calamitous speech, and they walked as mourners with head cast down, and no man put ornaments upon himself. And Yahuwah declared unto Almashaha, Speak unto the sons of Yasharel, You are a hard-necked people. In a wink, one twinkling of the eye, I will go up in your midst and consume you. At this time, cast down your trappings from you, and I will know what, what to work for you. And all the sons of Yashrael stripped off their trappings there by Mount um, Horeb or Chahuarab. Uh, like the people realize this is serious now. I mean, they're they're truly mourning. They're like, oh my goodness, they're starting to get it. Like he's about to destroy us. We really screwed up. And he's in a twinkling of an eye, a second, he's going to right, we're just going to melt us all in flame. Um, and so, yeah, I would definitely be repenting at that point. I hope. And it appears that's uh, what was happening. Now, it's interesting here we see in, in the book of Ma'asim or Acts again, Stephen is saying the same thing. He says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, do ye do always resist the Ruach HaKadosh as your fathers did, so did ye. And, of course, his whole speech is they're accusing Stephen of doing away with the traditions of Moshe, which saying that, He's advocating breaking the Torah, and Stephen's like, I'm doing no such thing. I'm actually keeping the Torah. You're falsely accusing me, and you're the ones that are stiff-necked. You're the ones with uncircumcised hearts. You're the ones that resist the Ruach HaKadosh, just as your fathers did when? At Sinai. So that was the way right there. And Mishalha took uh, the tabernacle, and he gifted to him from outside the encampment at a far distance from the camp, and he called out to him at the tent of meeting, and it existed that all who sought Yahuwah, the ever-living, went out toward the tent of meeting from outside the encampment, and it happened that when Mishaha went forth toward the tent, and the, that the people rose up, and every man stationed himself at the entrance of his tent, and beheld respectfully after Mishaha, even until his going into the tent. And it existed as 
Meshachah entered the tabernacle, that the cloudy pillar descended and stood firm at the entrance of the tent, and he set words in order with Meshachah. And all the people observed the cloudy pillar stationed at the entrance of the tabernacle, and all the people rose up, and every man bowed himself down at the entrance of his tent, and Yahuwah the ever-living arranged words towards Al-Meshachah face towards faces, like a man will speak toward his friend. And he turned back towards the encampment, but his servant, uh, Yehushua, or Yahweh, the son of Nun, Nuan, a young man, did not with withdraw from the midst of the tabernacle. And Meshaha declared unto Yahuwah the ever-living, Observe, you declared unto me, Go up with this people, and yet you have not granted knowledge concerning that which you will send forth with me. For you have declared, I know you by name, and in addition, you have attained favor in my eyes. And at this time, conditionally, I pray you, if I have obtained favor in your eyes, cause me to know I beg your way that I may acquire knowledge of you for the purpose that I may attain favor in your eyes and observe that your people are this nation. So we want to live what way? Yahuwah's way to, to attain uh, knowledge of him, to attain favor in his eyes by walking the way, his way. Yahushua HaMashiach's way. And he declared, my face shall walk and I will remain with you. And he said unto him, conditionally, if your face does not walk, do not lift us up from here. And, and in this it will be known altogether that I have obtained favor in your eyes, I and your people, if you do not walk with us. So we will be distinguished, set apart, I and your people, from all the people upon the face of Ha Adam Maha, or uh, the ground. It's interesting. It's not the earth there. It's the ground. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, declared unto Al-Mashaha, in addition, this at the bar which you have spoken, so I will labor to produce, for you have attained favor in my eyes, and I know you by name. And he said, show me, I beg, your heavy weight of splendor. And he declared, I will cause all my beauty, kindness, goodness, to pass over your face, and I will call out to you Basham. Let's see what Basham is here. Uh, in the name. I will call out to you in the name. Yahuwah before your face, and I will show favor to whom I will favor, and I will show tender affection to whom I will show tender affection. And he said, you are not able to prevail to observe my face, for no Adam may see me and exist. And Yahuwah, the ever-living, declared, behold, there is a standing place near me. You shall establish yourself upon the rock, and it shall exist in passing over my heavy weight of splendor, that I will place you in a cleft of the rock, and I will interweave a protective cover of the curved hollow of the hand over you while I pass over, and I will withdraw the hollow of my hand, and you will observe my hinder part, but my face shall not be seen. So here Yahuwah is going to reveal himself to Moshe, but he can't see his face. He can only see his his hinder, his, his hinds, his backside, uh, whatever that is. And Yahuwah declared unto Al-Mashaha, Hew to yourself two stone tablets like the former ones, and I will write over the tablets Ath-Ha-Dabarayam, which existed upon the former tablets, which you broke into pieces, and you will exist standing upright at daybreak and ascend in the daybreak toward Mount Sinai, and be ready to meet me there over the head of the mountain, and no man shall ascend with you. Additionally, any man observed toward in all the mountain, additionally, he shall not pass he shall not pasture small cattle and the herd toward the front against the mountain. And he hewed two stone tablets like the former ones. 
And Mishaha rose early in daybreak, and he ascended Mount Sinai like Yahuwaha, the ever-living, had established unto him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of precious stones. And Yahuwaha, the ever-living, passed by over his face, and he called out, Yahuwaha, Yahuwaha, an owl of tender affection and mercy, slow to anger, and possessing a vast amount of chasad and amath. And, uh, let's see, 18, that would be stability, faithfulness, integrity, and truth. Keeping watchful, chasad for thousands, lifting up guilt contracted by sin and defection, and who will in no way leave sin unpunished. Striking against the crimes of the fathers upon the sons and upon the sons' sons until the third and the fourth. And Mishaha made haste, and he bowed down, cleaving into the earth, and did homage. And he said, conditionally, I pray, if I have obtained favor in your eyes, Adonuya, walk among us, Adonuya, for this is a hard-necked people. And pardon our guilt contracted by sinning and our missteps, and receive us as your possession. And he declared, Behold, I will cut a covenant conspicuously in the sight of all your people, and I will fashion extraordinary works, which has never been formed in all Ha'arat and in all um, Goyim, or Ga'yuah-yam, the, the Gentiles. And all the people among whom you are shall observe the works of Yahuwah, for it is a terrifying thing which I will fashion with you. Guard to yourself that which I established for you. Behold, I will thrust out from before your faces the ones of the Mar and the ones of the... So this is the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, just you know when I pronounce all these. The ones of Kenu'an, and the ones of Chath, and the ones of Faraz, and the ones of Chahwah, and those of Yabayahwas. Closely guard yourself to keep from cutting a covenant with the residents of the land when you settle down to dwell, lest they should become a snare in the midst of you, where you shall pull down their altars and crush their pillars, and you shall cut down his... Ashara poles or Asharaya. And of course, most of the kings obviously did not do this. For you shall not bow down unto Al Akar, another mighty one, for Yahuwah the ever living, whose name is Jealous. He will not endure any rival. He is a jealous Al. Otherwise, if you cut a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, he will prostitute himself after their Allahiah and slaughter animals unto their Allahiah. And this is, of course, being a whore, right? He's saying that the people in a covenant with me are going to whore themselves after these other Allahiyam, just like the whore of Babylon. And he shall call out unto you, and you will eat of his sacrifice, and you will take from his daughters to your sons, and their daughters shall spread themselves abroad, prostituting themselves after their Allahiyah, their gods, and shall make your sons prostitute themselves after their Allahiyah. You shall not fashion to yourselves Allahiah of cast metal, of uh, God making gods out of idols, which, of course, he's reaffirming this point after the golden calf. He already said no idolatry in the Ten Commandments, but he's reaffirming this. The Athchag, I forgot what that is. Let's see what this is. Oh, the festivals. Okay. Uh, the festival of unfermented bread you will guard. We're coming up on that soon. Seven days you will eat unfermented bread, such as, such as I have established for you for the important time, the Kadash Ha Abayab, for in the month of the green corn you were brought forth from Mitzrayim. And of course, the uh, unfermented bread, the seven days of unleavened bread, is uh, follows directly after Passover. The firstborn of the womb are mine, and every firstborn of cattle. You will call to mind the firstborn ox and the small cattle, 
And the firstborn ass you will redeem with a lamb. Conditionally, if you will not redeem him, you will break his neck. You shall redeem all firstborn of your sons, for you shall not see his face emptily. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you will Shabbat. In plowing time and in harvest, you will Shabbat. doesn't matter if you're in the middle of harvest and you got a lot of crop to move out. You stop in Shabbat. He's like, there's no time, no matter how busy you are, there is no time of the year where you are free to, to not partake in the in the Sabbath. And the Chag, the festival of sevens, you will fashion to you at the first fruits of wheat of the wheat harvest. This is uh, speaking of Pentecost. And the festival or the Chag of ingathering in the circuit of the year, three strokes of the anvil. So three times in the year, the, the, the spring, and I guess you could call the other one late spring or summer, and then the fall feast. In the in the year, all your males shall appear before the face of Yahuwaha, the Alahaya of Yasharel. For I will take as possession the nations from your face and will make spacious your boundary. And no man will desire your land on the three strokes of the anvil in a year. When you ascend to the face of Yahuwaha, your Alahaya. So he's saying, look, if you just do this, and you all the men show their face to me, they come to me three times a year, the, the surrounding nations, I'm going to make sure that they're they're not going to come and try to take your land while you do this. I'm going to make sure of this. I will honor, if you honor me, I will honor you. You shall not slaughter the blood of my sacrifice with fermented bread, and you shall not allow the sacrifice of Chag Ha Pesach to pass the night until daybreak. This is the, the Passover lamb. You make sure that it, it is burned, completely burned before daybreak, whatever you can't eat. You know, you just, you eat it, you burn the rest. Don't let it pass the night. The first first fruits of your ground you shall bring into Yahuwaha, your Alahaya. You shall not ripen a kid of the goats in his mother's fat. This is the passage right here. Man, I'm running out of time. This is the passage right here where you hear in the, the Talmud, you know, like people hear you, you eat kosher. And they're like, what, you don't eat cheese on your burgers? It's like, no, that's the Talmud. They're like, no, that's in the Bible. No, actually, it's not. They get it from this. And it literally means you don't cook the kid of the goats in his mother's fat. All right, like it's it's actual a kid, a goat. You don't cook it and eat it with its mom. All right, it's that simple. It's not it's not complicated. It's not talking about a cheeseburger. Though I mean, if if Yahuwaha were to say don't eat cheese with me, I I honestly I would have no problem with that. I'm like, okay, if that's what you want, I'll do it. It just doesn't say that. And Yahuwaha, the ever living, declared toward Al Mashaha, write to yourself these Ha Dabarayam. For into your mouth I have cut a covenant with you and with Yasharel. And he did exist there with Yahuwah, the ever-living, for 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat lechem and did not drink water while he wrote on the tablets the word of the covenant in the, the ten Dabarayam. And it happened, the Mashaha, in descending from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the precepts were in Mashaha's hand, and is descending from the mountain. Uh if, if you guys ever go to the Louvre in, in, in Paris, they have the most impressive stone tablet collection. They have dozens, if not hundreds, of ancient stone tablets. I mean, small to like massive, huge things. And you just go look at those and try to imagine Mo, uh, Moshe carrying these stone tablets down with him. And Mashaha did not know that the skin of his face radiated a horn of light, a result of his setting words in order with him. So when Aaron and so it's and I appreciate that uh, Pamela translated uh, horn of light right so this is it's because we I, I know I had this discussion with Pamela a couple of years ago and we we're trying to figure out was it an actual horn 
or was it light? And uh, mm-hmm. so it seems that she translated here a horn of light for all you Mandela effect people out there. So when Aaron and all the sons of Yashua observed the Shaha and behold, the skin of his face radiated a horn of light and they were terrified to approach him and Mishaha called out to them. So Aaron and the lifted up ones of the congregation turned back towards him. And Mishaha set forth words with them. Immediately all the sons of Yashua approached and he established all that which he had purposed to him on Mount Sinai. When Mishah had, had comp, uh, completed from the words with them, he placed a veil over his face, and Mishah, in coming before the face of Yahuwah to speak with him, he would turn aside the veil until he came forth. And when he went forth and spoke towards the sons of Yashorel, that which he had established, and the sons of Yashorel observed the face of Mishah, for the skin of Mishah radiated a horn of light. And Mishaha would turn back the veil over his face until he went in to set forth words in array with him. Now, it, it's almost, um, some people have described it's almost like radiation coming off of him. And uh, it's funny that he doesn't actually know that he's radiating this light. You know, they have to put like a paper bag or a veil, or whatever, over his face. Now, um, oh, wow, I guess I didn't put them in here. Hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I gave a presentation called Back to the Bible in which I talked about time travel and scripture. And I put forward the idea. Now I'm not the first to do it. Other people have done it as well. I just interviewed John Q last night. And in his book, he talks about it as well. Uh, this idea that Eliyahu uh, uh, or Elijah, um, when he went to Mount Sinai, and then Moshe here over his 40 days, and you see the 40-day connection with both of them, that both of them, when they when they speak to Yahuwah, and in the case of Moshe, when he sees him, they're actually speaking to Yahushua HaMashiach uh, from, uh, from the mountain during his ministry, which is pretty crazy to think about, that uh, when Kepha and Yochanan, when they see the vision of Moshe and Elijah, uh, and they they don't talk about what Yahushua is talking to them about. They may have not known. They see him conversing. It's possible that Yahushua is actually dealing with Moshe in real time at this time and giving him the Torah. Really interesting. All right. Now we're going to end on this tonight. Um, I, I was going to, I don't know if some of you noticed, I was going to make a video on this the other night, on Thursday night. I got burnt out and uh, it, it's been a long two weeks when it rains, it pours, tons of things happening. I had to cancel it. I do want to make a short video on this. So I'm out of time and I'm thinking next year for these tour portions that like, I just need to make three hour tour portions because just two hours is not enough to read the entire section and then comment on it, cross-reference. It's just not enough time. Um, but I wanted to get back to this passage. You can see here I have a lot to cover. Community regulations according to the Dedeke. And so here at the Unexpected Cosmology, we're a ministry and we're a congregation. We are a, uh, a set-apart community. Yes, we're not in person. We're all over the world, but we're coming here together. And, and I want people to know how... Uh, as community standards, how we operate. And when people come into the community with a chip on their shoulder, uh, I like to use the word contempt of court. They're actually in contempt of the ministry, of the ministry leader, of me, of maybe my research or something to do with me. They're coming in and they're actually coming in to poison the well 
They're here to divide, scatter the sheep like a wolf. They're there to pull them out. And we actually find, interestingly enough, in the cases where we have to remove someone from the community, that when we remove that one person, it's almost like lifting up a, a, a rock and shining a light and all these bugs, like these roaches scatter. Interestingly enough, four or five, sometimes other people, sometimes several people, they'll leave at the same time in, a, in anger. Why? Because you could see that this person was coming in, causing division and getting all these people. Now they're all poisoned. They were there and trying to poison more people, more people. And they're, they're getting up and leaving in, in, uh, so I found that really interesting. And it's, it's like the leaven, right? You, this is why you don't want leaven and bread. This is why we want to uh, love our brothers and sisters, you know, and um, you, you, you can't untoast the toast. So, Reading this again from the Didache, as I read earlier tonight, but every Sabbath, gather yourselves together. This is what we're practicing right now. We're gathering together for Sabbath. I understand this is on Sabbath Eve for many people. Some people live right now. Some people are watching this on their Sabbath. And break bread and give thanks giving after, confessed, after having confessed your transgressions. I'm going to make a point of this in the future. Let's make a point of this on preparation day before we get to Sabbath confess your transgressions that your sacrifice may be pure sacrifice of what of community brotherhood breaking of bread it's a impure sacrifice if we have not confessed our sins think about that but let no one that that no one that is at variance with his fellow come together with you until they are reconciled that your sacrifice may not be profane so the idea is uh and let me just skip down here to the bottom to everyone that acts amiss against another, let no one speak, nor let him hear anything from you until he repents. All right. One of the big red flags is when someone comes into the community and they, they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just kicked out of every community. They'll come and say this because, you know, other people, I have the truth and they can't handle the truth. And it's like, really, do you really think that you're being persecuted? Like all those communities are being kicked out of? No, some of them, it really could be a doctrine issue. I mean, you know, just throw one out there. Let's say they're a, King James only group, and you read from a text that's not the King James, there's a good chance you're going to be kicked out of that group. I, I know because back in the day, I gave it the old college try. I tried to go the King James only route. This is like seven or eight years ago. And even the, the people in that group, they're like, yeah, Noel, you're trying, but you know, you're just not making the cut. You know, you're just not cut out for this group. Um, but the, the idea is, is that um, uh, if someone is, they have a habit of being kicked out of groups, it's usually not because it's the truth. It might be truthful what they're saying. They actually may be presenting the truth, but it, it, I give this, I love giving this analogy. Like imagine if you have a date coming over, it, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman and you know, the opposite sex are coming over and you, you want to court this person, you want to impress them. And so you make this big dinner for them. It's this amazing dinner. You find out what they like you make, you know, it's a steak with potatoes or whatever, and you make this for them. And then you offer it on a trash can lid, a smelly trash can lid. And you're like, what? You, this is what you said you like. You don't like this, right? It's all in the presentation. And when people come with attitudes, um, chips on their shoulders, coming to, to divide the, sh the, the sheep, scatter them. Um, you know, they're, they're actually, you know, they have, they, they have martyrdom complex. The people with the martyrdom complexes don't take responsibility for themselves. They're telling you like, I, I don't care to improve myself. You just have to accept this. And you know, this is what it is now. Why do you, you cut them out immediately? Well, 
to stop the the leaven from spreading but it this is actually the same situation that happened with solomon with the the two mothers remember the the, the baby dies these two women come forward and they claim that this other baby is theirs and he doesn't know who the the, the right mother is he can't decide so he's like all right chop the baby in half and the uh the the one the true mother was like no please just give if you have to give it to the other woman i'd rather the baby live do not kill this baby and the other one's like yeah just kill the baby because you know she doesn't want the other one to have it right she would rather the baby die than the other baby have it and then solomon knew who the true mother was and this is what it's like in these situations when you have two when you have infighting that is going to spread uh cancerous in the community you cut them both out just like that baby you chop the baby and have you threaten to it and the, the idea is, is that the, the true righteous person, they're going to want to make amends and they go, man, I don't want to lose this community. Please. No, I don't want to lose this community. What do I need to do? I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I will change my behavior. And the other person's like, yeah, cut, kick that other person out, you know, and, and give them what they deserve. Right. And this is how you, this is how you judge the situation. Uh, and uh, we had a, a situation like this recently, and I, I'm not spreading any gossip, not giving any names, but uh, I had to remove someone from the community recently, and it came down to obviously rotten fruit. And I, I told the person, I just gave examples, say this, 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 and this, this is rotten fruit. You're, you're producing rotten fruit. And if the situation changes, you know, you can come back. And immediately, it like to prove me wrong, he went out and got worse and sp started spreading more destruction and started going to other groups. And we were getting notices of how he was slandering us and saying untrue things and calling people up on the phone and just this wake of destruction. And it actually got worse. I won't even say how bad it was. It got worse even yesterday. We saw him doing some more stuff. And I'm just like, yep, made the right decision uh, to get rid of this person. Uh, so I'm just putting this out there. I'm going to end on this tonight. I actually want to make a whole video on just policy because this is a congregation, guys, in on like on YouTube. And so when people come from out of the community, they're just putting rude comments in there and mocking us and this kind of stuff. It's like, no, you actually you can go. You have the freedom of speech. You can go to your own communities and mock us. You can go to other places. You can make videos mocking us. But you you come into our community. We want you to respect it. Now, coming into Discord, we welcome you guys to come into Discord. If you're not if you're not there yet, you're not observing the Torah, that's okay. Come in and observe, learn. And if you find out it's not for you, I mean, you, you're free to leave. But if you're going to come in and you know try to pull people away from Mashiach, if you're going to try to pull people into a life of lawlessness, we're going to be like, yeah, we're not going to be putting up with that. All right. Um, so yeah, anyways, I just wanted to go over that tonight and I probably should make this into a video. But anyways, we're up at the time. I can keep talking and talking and talking. Let's see what else I have here. If I had anything else worth going over. Yeah, and for those of you who are out there like, um, uh, you know, like all worried now, but it's like, this has been the policy for a long time. And it's like, okay, how many people have I had to remove from discord in in the community in like the last four years it's been maybe five to seven people it hasn't been many it hasn't been that many people it's a very rare event that it happens uh but it does happen and um i think it's important that that's the whole point of elders um that you know we we guard the flock and we make sure that the wolves are not coming in 
and um, and scattering them. I'll give a, a, a quick example. Um, so I bring this up a lot, and it's only because this has really uh, affected my life, and it's affected the lives of many. Was when we had the the big anti-Mashiach movement about two or three years ago, and there was a huge breaking off. We're probably ready to see another. We're ripe for it. Uh, we're going to see another big. Uh, a lot of people leave again, abandon Mashiach, and go off into a, a abominate, you know, apostasies. But um, I was a part of an anti-Paul movement, which is a, a great segue into the next video, in which I went off with a another huge Torah Christian. Uh, YouTube ministry uh, and denying Paul the apostle. And um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, that whole movement went anti-Christ. It actually went uh, denied Mashiach, anti-Christ in, in the very sense of the word of First John, they were saying that Mashiach never came. All right. That's anti-Christ. Uh, and I watched uh, my entire community get split apart right down the middle. I would say at least half the people left. It was total mutiny. People just got up and just disrespect everywhere. It was an awful, awful thing to to be a part of. And the thing that really uh, struck me, what Yahu I was, I was like, I felt Yahusha really chastising, disciplining me. Like I really, like I repented of what did I repent of? I repented of um, being asleep behind the wheel. You know, there's a the passage in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed. And he kept telling his his disciples, he's like, just stay awake. And they kept falling asleep. He's like, just stay awake. I'm just praying right here. Just stay awake and keep keep watch. And they were, they were, they were like, they were just trusting him. It's like, you're you're Messiah, you're Messiah. You, you got this. We're good. We're just gonna drift off. You've got this, right? You can calm the storms, you can do all this stuff. We're we're not worried about it. And then he's like, Wake up, the betrayer is here. And they're like, What? And Judas comes in, and you know, you get into the whole thing. And that's what it was like. I fell asleep. I fell asleep, and I, I was like, Mashiach, you've got this. And then I watched all the sheep, the wolves come in, they scattered, they they pulled the sheep out as spoils of war. You see the sheep scatter, the sheep never come back. Right, you can't toast the toast. The the well is poisoned. They go off into their uh, apostasies, abominations, all sorts of stuff. It's it was horrible to behold. And I realized I was one of those disciples that had fallen asleep. And this is the point of, you know, of of having the elders, having the shepherds come in and make sure to guard the flock, and you know, and keep that uh, keep that in there. So, all right. On that note, it is uh, I've gone over now my time, my allotted time. I want to get into the Galatians study. I'm going to take a few minutes break. A uh, great segue with the anti-Paul because I'll be talking about Galatians and how Paul was actually, you know, keeping the Torah and he was advocating the Torah and uh, a line for line, you know, breakdown uh, shows that to be the case. Uh, so for those of you who are ending tonight, uh, thank you. Let me just throw this out at you again for those who are still here with me. Uh, there is my my fundraiser for the month of March uh, for this uh, for this ministry keep afloat. I've had this out. I mean, you guys poured out your love for the first month. It was amazing. I've had this up for three weeks and I'm seeing, you know, I, thank you for the four people that donated. Uh, the guys like, uh, you know, I'm a few weeks away from closing the doors on, on this ministry. And, um, and I, I want to keep this going. And I know that y'all can do this and it has to be by y'all doing this. I don't want anyone else to do it by y'all. But if he puts on your heart to say, I want to keep this ministry going. I want to keep it afloat. I want this to affect other people as it has affected me. Please pray to y'all and consider 
um, and being a giving and thank you everyone who already gives a Patreon and and so on. So uh, with that uh, ending the stream, good night. See you guys in a few minutes over in the Galatian study. Uh, Shabbat Shalom.